everybody welcome to uh some bonus content on hardcore troubadour and we're going to be doing something a little different today which is discussing the brilliant 1987 john hughes film planes trains and automobiles tyler why the hell would we be talking about this movie on a steve earl podcast well brian it is the first movie that features any of his music and Incredible. he's had a pretty good career of having his music in, involved in uh, in movies and television, also himself be involved in movies and television. That's but right. This is the first time this happens. And it's just such an insane coincidence because this movie is so important to me in my childhood. Yeah. And I had no idea that Steve Roll has been with me since I was like, like, four, five, six years old, old enough to even comprehend a movie. Right. I've been watching this movie my whole life. Right. And isn't that amazing? Like both of us had discussed that this was a movie that we both like saw a ton when we were kids, have seen many times over the years. So our, in reality, whether we knew it or not, this might've been our first actual exposure to Steve yes. Earle before we actually knew what we were hearing. Subliminally, right? yes. I have a tattoo yeah. from this movie. Incredible. And I'm excited to talk about that. But yeah, so uh, if, if this is your first episode, um, my name's Brian. My name's Tyler. And this is Hardcore Troubadour, which is a couple of fans nerding out about all things related to Steve Earle, but not being afraid to go into some tangents because all of the material that Steve has released and all of the, you know, whether it's soundtracks he's been on, film and television appearances that he's made cover a whole lot of ground. Um, we're, you know, we're primarily focusing on his recorded output, but um, have found plenty of cool opportunities that'll be coming up to dig into some like other, other art and media uh, that yes. Steve has featured on. And so this is the first one of those episodes about planes, trains, and automobiles. So Tyler, I'll pass it over to you, man. Like, cause we definitely want to, like go through the movie and talk about that, but maybe tell me just a little bit more about like, you know, your relationship with this. You said you watched it a ton as a kid. You got a tattoo. Yeah. Um, movies have always been like me and my mom's thing, like growing up my whole life, like me and her have just been movie people. Like I still go with her every time a Marvel movie comes out. I got her hooked on seeing superhero movies years ago. Awesome. And every time that shit comes out, like we went and saw the last James Bond movie. Like we've just bonded over film like my whole life. And when I was a kid and I like I spent so much time just like by myself too when I was real little and mm -hmm. being an only child. And there would be days where I would be like, all right, I'm just going to watch movies all day long. Yep. And I would just get out all the VHSs and I would never be able to make a choice. So I'd like eeny, meeny, miny, mo to like pick my fucking movies for the day. And Planes, Trains, and Automobiles was just always a movie that, I mean, I was probably too young to be watching it with the air, the, uh, the rent-a-car scene and everything. But yeah, <laughs> uh, to me, that stuff just, it didn't even occur to me like when I was a kid that I was watching something bad. Mm -hmm. I was just watching something funny. And I, right. uh, 
and I love John Candy when I was a kid. Like this movie and Uncle Buck, like always, were just huge for me. And absolutely, um, my mom exposed me to the Jerk really young too. So I've mm -hmm. always been a huge Steve Martin fan. And um, yeah, I mean, I've just I I I'd have a hard time pinpointing when I like when did I watch this movie for the first time because it feels like a movie that's just always been with me. Yeah. And um, one year in the lead up to Thanksgiving, I uh, one of my friends was um apprentice tattooing mm -hmm. actually not even my he's my friend now but he he was just a stranger a friend of a friend who was looking for people to uh to you know to experiment on and torture yeah and um i was like fuck i'm gonna get a plane a train and automobile tattooed across my knee so i um i was like i figured that's simple enough for him to do just all black out and he can get some some experience just like raking somebody's skin yeah so uh so yeah my buddy brian uh one of like the first maybe five or six tattoos he ever did is a plane, a train, an automobile over my left knee. Good. Left knee. Yeah, left knee. <laughs> that is so sick. Uh huh. It makes me like, <laughs> just like, I'm thinking about like so many, you know, you, John Candy, John Hughes, both no longer with us, but like yeah. maybe, maybe one day uh, you could share that with Steve Martin. I'm hoping to still run into that and <laughs> run into him. We'd have so much to discuss. You talking about like, Picking through the VHSs, that that brought up a ton of memories for me too. I feel like we had this, like in my stepdad's house, like wild combination of like some VHSs that we had bought, like used from the rental store, you know, like when they had too oh, many. I remember done those with them. days. And so you could you know, my like, copy of Speed was from the Kroger rental when, they, yeah. when the Kroger used to rent movies out. They put them in a big bin <laughs> for like a dollar. And so we'd clean up over there. Mm -hmm. And then some that it would be like, you know, there was like one friend in the neighborhood who had like HBO or something. And so had like recorded you know like, oh, it's like yes. a dub of a dub and we had i remember speaking of john hughes we had planes trains and automobiles and ferris bueller's day off that way like on yeah. a where like i remember because i remember putting it in it would be like two minutes before the movie started there would be some like you know of the time like hbo advertisements Ads, yeah. happening you know before the movie started um and yeah it's one of those where especially in that time period, similar to you, like spending a lot of time alone at the time. Um, I have a half brother, but we weren't living together at mm -hmm. that point. And uh, also, you know, like no cable latchkey kid. Like I had this collection of movies I had watched so many times and I feel like is this one, Tommy Boy was one of them oh, at the time. Tommy Boy Black Sheep yeah. were huge for me. Yeah, and and I'm and it's just making me think so much about like, you know, I, I I didn't. We're still approaching all of this primarily just as like fans and talking about it experientially, right? But like, mm -hmm. I didn't do a ton of research about this movie, but just thinking about the life of John Candy, um, how busy he stayed in this time period from like basically the late eighties into the early nineties and he passed in 94. Um, he was putting out like multiple things a year, a year. Yeah. And there were people, uh, I, I then read like a footnote that said something like John Hughes, you know, did not direct much longer um, mm -hmm. after John Candy passed. And there were like people who were very close to him that said like he, 
had been so close to John Candy and they worked so well together that it just felt like, you know, his career would have likely lasted. I mean, he clearly like built a legacy, like all that. He didn't have to keep making movies, right? But a lot of people who were close to him felt like if John Candy had lived, he would have continued to make movies and just like something had lost the spark because their friendship and their collaboration was so strong. Yeah. Um, Dude, John Hughes had such a range too in the movies he made. Like it's just yeah. wild, like from all the teen movies to like just like movies of friendship and right and and you know, trauma bonding, like like this yeah. movie, like and it's 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 pretty unreal how often you can you can be watching a movie and be like, wait, this movie takes place in Chicago around the late eighties, early nineties. Did John Hughes have a hand in this movie? And Dude. every time he did. Totally. I mean, I, that's what, I feel like everything I knew about Chicago for, you know, most of my life until I was a little older and actually got to go in person, I knew from John Hughes movies, right? Yeah, dude, um, <laughs> all the way down to uh, one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite jokes in, in Dogma is uh, when, when she meets up with Jay and Silent Bob and they're on their way back from where they the fictional town they were looking for in from yes. the John Hughes movies because yes. in those movies there's never anybody selling dope. I so know. They go there <laughs> and then they found out that the town where all these movies are based doesn't exist. Right. And it's one of my favorite jokes in Dogma. So funny. Oh my gosh. I haven't thought about that in a long time. Well it's interesting too because I'm thinking like well yeah John Hughes and Wayne's World, but similar to yeah. John Hughes movies, like most of it actually set in suburbia, like yeah. surrounding Chicago, mm-hmm. right? Rather than in the city proper. Um, yeah, man. And I mean, there's just so much to say. So why don't we dig in? Um, yeah. And then and just kind of like talk about it. I think both of us, as we were rewatching, like for, I just have to say like, shout out to you, Tyler, one for this idea. And two, because like, it had been years since I had watched this and it had been at least four years. I had a, I had a blast, like even outside of anything we're doing for the podcast, man, Mm -hmm. it was like so much fun. Um, so, I mean, I'm just like opening scene, like I'm blown over by the comedy, like, and and the, like even now of Steve Martin has a plane to catch they're they're presenting ads to this corporate dude or whatever who just keeps looking keeps looking keeps looking won't say anything looks like he's about to say anything yep. and they just like so everybody leans in like, yeah like edge of their seat <laughs> mouth hanging open like oh my god is he gonna say anything um and it just like again probably as a kid i just like a million times watched it and was like here's how the movie opens yeah and now i look at it and i'm like oh how brilliant was that without even before a line of dialogue is spoken, like how they've set that tone together. The watch too. The watch is the first shot of the movie. Yes, that's right. And that's such a classic line later in the movie from John Candy after at the, at the motel yeah. that I, as soon as it opened, I went that there's a Chekhov's knife right off the, right off the bat yes. with, with, with his, with it zooming in on just his watch is the yeah. very first shot in the movie. Yeah. And I was, immediately like fuck i'm already noticing something right that i've never noticed in this movie before watching this you know as a full adult and yeah and no i definitely wouldn't have appreciated that boardroom scene and never in my life like have i ever like 
like regretted the fact that I work with my hands every day and I've never had (laughs) to put up with situations like that where I'm literally at someone else's like, like given like, you know, I, my, my, I'm owned (laughs) by a corporation essentially (laughs) um, as so many of us are, but I get to do my job on my terms. I don't have to wait for permission to leave. Right. When right. my shift's up, I'm up. I'm I'm leaving. Totally. And with yeah. no or, yeah, with no regard <laughs> of like it's almost Thanksgiving, you might yes. have a plane to catch, anything uh-huh. like that. It's wild. Um well, and that's the other thing too. As a kid, I didn't I couldn't relate to I'm gonna be late for something anxiety. Yeah. On the rewatch, but like you know, the lateness, the combination, the all the scenes around, you know, um, Neil trying to get a cab. Well, one, just the real, like, I, in my mind as an adult, now I'm like, he's actually, there's no way he's going to make it to JFK. No. In time. Yeah. There's too much traffic. <laughs> but then, two, now I'm noticing other things. I'm like, oh, holy shit, there's Kevin Bacon. Kevin for Bacon. For half a second, you know? <laughs> um, and then this is also, like, the, the cab scene is just so brilliant because it's the first time that we meet Dell and not just before we meet Dell, we meet see Del's the trunk trunk that yep. he's always carrying around with him, which again, like there's some like symbolism that we'll get into a little bit later around the trunk that Dell is always carrying and that relationship. But before anything else happens, Neil trips over the trunk mm-hmm. and then gets his cab stolen by uh Dell. Like, Dude, and that's and it's the first time this happens. The recurring him ye- yelling, "You're messing with the wrong guy," which is one of my favorite recurring things in the movie. Even to the point where it, when the music plays and it's like dubbed into the music later yes, in the movie, I'm yes. like, oh, that's one of my favorite parts too. It's so so good. Um, me and me and my one of my old roommates. Anytime shit was going wrong in our lives, we would always yell that at the top of our lives. <laughs> I love it, dude. And speak. I mean, I get. There's so many other good like one-liners coming up. But the other thing that I noticed here, and this is just the dorkiest point in the world, this movie is generally very geographically accurate, like when they're mm-hmm. doing things. Like, you know, this the cab scene and stuff like that, that's actually filmed in Midtown Manhattan yep. on Park Avenue, like it's where he references later when they recognize each other in the airport. When Neil first arrives to the airport, and is like trying to make his gate before he finds out that the flight has been mm-hmm. delayed and is still rushing. He's actually an O'Hare. Um, oh, really? That's only something that nerdy ass adult me who had now spent enough time uh-huh. in those airports would be like, <laughs> I recognize that sign, man. He's an O'Hare. That's not JFK. Um, that's so funny. And it's the only little like nerdy moment where it feels like they're not like accurately even shit. Like, I mean, later on the rental car lot in St. Louis Mm-hmm. is actually a rental car lot in st louis, in st. louis that's like amazing. i i googled the hotel that you can see in the distance yeah and it's actually a st louis airport hotel like that's where they they filmed that for real yo so, i'm gonna pe- i'm gonna peer behind the curtain real quick this motherfucker before we started this podcast said he didn't do much research into this i know so i'm calling bullshit on that already so i've okay. already done well more than i did for this you, episode you've got me you got me i guess i guess to be fair when I was saying research, I was talking about things I was doing outside of like when I wasn't actively watching yeah, the movie. Gotcha. But if if I'm fully confessing, as I had the movie up on the on my television, I was also like Googling shit as I looked at it too. Um, just real quick to be like, 
oh, now I'm interested in like the location budget for this film. Were they actually so in funny. St. Louis? And they were. Um, but there's a line when, so they're, they're at JFK, they're at the hotel, uh, not the hotel, they're at the, uh, they first recognize each other. It's my favorite scene in the movie also. Waiting, yeah, as, they're, as they find out the flight's delayed and they're waiting for the plane to Chicago. Um, so much good shit. Tell me why it's your favorite. It's the stupidest part of the movie. When, yeah. when he recognizes Dell. And he has to picture him in the cab through the cab window. Making but they that just, face. They just move a door in front yeah. of him with in the airport. That's right. So it's just him sitting still in the airport, but they yeah. just moved a door <laughs> taxi in front of him. And to me, that is the most one of the most absurd moments in the movie that fucks me up. It's it so absolutely funny. there's two parts in this movie that are just absolutely insane and that is one of them to me. Uh, and I lose it every time. Dude. Every time the second I see that fucking taxi cab door like Ashton I like warned her cuz she watched it with me. I warned her. <laughs> I was I was like they're about to do something so fucking stupid in this movie and we were both crying. Right. I just oh, I love it so much. Cuz it- it's it's so much better too because it was clearly like an intentional choice. It yes. wasn't like they didn't cut oh. back to when he sees him in the cab. Right. They they just... right. They could have easily done. They were like, no, let's actually just like run it across live. And it's the combination of that him making that face again as the door goes <laughs> across him, so and then just the whole like it's almost it's like perfectly delivered. Like let me get you a hot dog in here. <laughs> All right, just a hot dog then. All right, but you know, like he's no, I'm okay, thank you. And oh like, my just god, won't, won't give it up, you know. Um, it, it, dude, it just immediately like they give you such a good idea of who Dell is. Yes, absolutely. And like that come and that that comes up later, later on when they're having their first fight. Dell says, "What you see is what you get." Yep. You know, and like there's mm-hmm. there's like a built like that understanding of like I am. I'm me. This is who yeah. I am in the world. You know, like I don't, I don't change just because of no, whatever context. Code I'm switch. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just, yeah, exactly. But there's a line. So I, I could be jumping ahead slightly, but you know, the, the, uh, Neil is supposed to be sitting in first class. Yeah. He, he has got that bumped. incredible. Can I speak to the manager moment? Yeah. He's like incredibly rude to the flight attendant. Um, which is also like establishing a little bit of a thing with him because like his character also starts out like very flat. Like they make him at mm-hmm. first, it's just like, he's like a stuck up corporate asshole, you know, and Dell is just a goober. Yeah. And then they take those caricatures and, and make them so much more complicated mm-hmm. along the course of the film. But so they end up sitting next to each other. And when the plane gets diverted to Wichita because of the weather and, um, they're talking about like, ah, how are we going to make it to Chicago? Um, Dell says, yeah, we'd have more luck playing pickup sticks with our butt cheeks. Butt cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like a line. It's like he delivers it so thoughtlessly and effortlessly, but it like every time like makes me laugh so hard. Like what a way to say like, Hey man, I don't think we're making it to Chicago tonight. One of the things. Yeah. The, 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 uh, uh, six bucks in my in my left nut says you know we yeah <laughs> we ain't <laughs> in Chicago <laughs> like one of the things I have written down uh, uh, along with uh, uh, shoes and socks off is 
is everything Dell does is so obnoxious. And then all of his sayings. Yes. He has a saying for everything. Like the pickup sticks with your butt cheeks thing. Like it's yeah. just, it's so, he has such a perfectly honed character. And there, it also makes me think too, as I've like learned over the years, both Dell and Neil are these like quintessentially Midwestern characters. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting too, because like neither of those actors is from the Midwest. You know, John Candy's Canadian. Yeah, Canadian, yeah. And uh, Steve Martin was born in Texas and then raised in California. Um, I don't think I knew that. I think I knew he he was he was a West Coast person. I didn't know he's born in Texas. Yeah, I, and I don't I know how long it, he though. lived there as a kid. Yeah, so but it's it. just interesting enough. It's almost like they it speaks to their brilliance as actors, and it also mm -hmm. speaks to the brilliance of John Hughes. And it makes yep. me think a lot too, just about like. I have this, I don't have any research or anything behind this, but like going on in my head, like how many of Dell's lines were like written in the script and how many things were things that like John Candy improvised as he became the character. Cause my, yeah. my gut tells me that there was a good mix of both. Oh there. yeah. Yeah. Um, God, no, I mean, so uh, on, on the subject, I, I don't, th this isn't a huge film, but I'm pretty sure he, he, uh, he, he at least produced it, but home alone. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, John Candy was only on set to shoot for Home Alone for one day. One day. They had yeah. one day of John Candy. So he's just locked and loaded. That's right. In that Midwest character. So I absolutely. would be abs I would absolutely believe that a lot a ton of that stuff is just yeah. him just making sense of a character. Like I, you know, and how hundred thousand times believable as the like, you know midwestern polish leader of like a fucking oompa band or whatever it was Polka, Polka, Polka. Polka, Polka. yeah yeah right <laughs> like yeah you can ride with us um so here they are in wichita man um dude uh and, i i forgot ben stein is the one who's yes. announcing all the cancellations dude. which man for anybody our age is like yeah and anybody yeah, like any zoomer kid probably has no idea who ben stein is no. he might be the clear eyes guy that's it he might be the clear eyes guy. Yeah. They're not going to remember his acting appearances. They're not going to remember the, I don't know how long it ran the damn. When like, Ben Stein's money. When ben Stein's money. Yep. Also, Ben Stein is pretty much a fascist. Um, really? Like his, his, oh yeah. He's I like can a, believe it. He's like a hardcore, like buddies with Henry Kissinger kind of dude. Oh, that's um, terrible. What a bad, what a bad guy. Yeah, I know. But Hey, nice. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking a lot more about the complexities of, of art from artists. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to the song Detective Lieutenant by Drug Church, which I think shows like, hey, man, I can still enjoy the man's art, even if I think his personal beliefs are bullshit. Yeah. Um, and what a nice little uh, there's there's several nice little moments like that of like some of the recurring actors mm -hmm. that are in John Hughes's films. But yeah, Ben Stein being the one making the announcements. Yeah, um, I mean, it's perfect for him. Absolutely. Like, him being the one delivering that that news is. Yeah. Just perfectly just fuck oh, off chef's kiss man <laughs> so they're in fucking wichita and i gotta tell you man i've only been to wichita once but i i did not see the hard edges of wichita in the ways that dell and neil did <laughs> during no, no, their no devil's cab i didn't have the devil's cab i didn't stay at the like you know sketchiest motel in the universe um which again it wasn't you'll have to remind me now because you bring up the watches right Mm -hmm. it wasn't it's this, not this motel not it's the this next one. one yeah right dell's able to get them rooms in this a room in this motel because it, he sold 
yeah because he sold them but then when they're when he's charging it he asks if there's a if he still offers discounts that's right and then they their their cards get switched Mm -hmm. at the at the counter which comes up later in a really Mm -hmm. big way but that's the other thing when you just speak about absurdities right like the idea that like this dude that travels all over the place he's all he's doing is selling shower curtain rings yeah just the rings, man. Not even the curtains, not even uh-huh. like anything else. Just the rings. They're the fucking best in the world. And those yeah. shower cut- curtain rings, you know, keep, I was I was going to say get them out of trouble, but it's actually keep them from being in more trouble yeah. several times throughout the movie. So this time, yeah, he has this connection when nobody else is, there are no other available mm-hmm. rooms in Wichita because of the weather. Um, so this leads me to like a lot of big shit happens in this hotel room oh yeah in wichita right like this is their first like proper argument right mm-hmm. um and that's where we first hear dell's kind of like yo what you see is what you get and oh shit i completely skipped over um yeah so that's that's the what you see is what you get um the credit cards get switched um and they get fucking robbed of all their cash yep well the uh one of the things I had written was the cut the tension moments, which there's two in this, uh, in the motel room. Yeah. The first is when they get in the motel room and then they realize there's only one bed and the way the camera scans across the room, like, yeah. wait a second, what? And then it scans <laughs> over to John Candy's face and he like, this looks like a little yeah. uncomfortable. Like so much of the movie's shot from Steve Martin's. Yes. Like, viewpoint like yeah. there's so many points where the where steve martin's out and the camera is in as right steve martin brilliant i hadn't thought about that that's so true yeah but they're the these sees uh i can't remember what the what the first one is um because the the second ones they talk they talk about the bears yeah um, well he goes hey you want to take a shower oh yeah yeah that's yeah. What it was. yeah and he's like what no i mean i mean first i mean <laughs> yeah, like that was it that was it so there's that one. And then when they wake up in the bed the next morning. Classic. They're cuddling. Just... Where's your hand? Between, Between two, two pillows. pillows. Those aren't pillows. And that's me when they do one, the... Me and one of my coworkers, we'd, we'd say that to each other all the time at work. <laughs> it's so good. And that's when they do the, oh, so how are the bears looking this year? Yeah, man. Del, <laughs> why did you kiss my ear? <laughs> Why are you holding my hand? <laughs> it's just such a good, it's perfect, man. Moment and like, because you've been, they've been through like the entire like arc of a relationship just oh, in that dude. night in the room. I just remember just the whole thing before the argument in in Dell's monologue or whatever. The fact that he he fucking puts the quarter in the vibrating bed, which is yes. such an of the time thing. Like yes, that shit was gone by the time I was traveling around. I don't totally. ever recall seeing any of the I've, automatic bed things. No, I've I've only seen them in like movies and TV shows. But then he he leaves the beer on the bed and then makes the, Neil sleep in sleep it. in the beer. The, the pillows covered in beer because he can't sleep with the the yeah. foam pillow or his allergies or whatever allergies. will be crazy. And then uh, he's they're trying to go to sleep. And he's reading by lighter. I know. It's so stupid. It's so obnoxious. Can't wait to get some shut eye. He's clearing his throat and cracking every bone in his body. 
Dude, it just I have like flashbacks to being on tour and being yeah. the only one awake because everyone's snoring and oh I'm like God. fuck, why me? Like why yeah. can't someone else at least suffer with me? Yeah. How is it that I'm the only <laughs> one who can't sleep through this and everyone else is sleeping? They're all like conked out cold. Like, I don't like... know what it is about snorers who can always sleep through snoring. Yeah. Like if somebody else is snoring, they are fully able to sleep right through it. And I just, oh my God, watching that part, I just get so anxious because I just know how that feels to be in Neil's shoes. And no, I would, I would explode too. Totally. And just the, oh my God, like, again, both of them play it so brilliantly because you both feel just how grating everything Dell does is. And then you just feel like Neil explosion you and know what i mean so he's so like, mean too he's, he's so mean so mean and you just add to it like in addition to like all that it's like i'm laying in beer i just got out of the shower and had to dry myself with a hand towel because yeah. this filthy dude like squashed used all the towels used all the towels you know like um incredible like every that it's like such a huge point in the movie all of that happens and then again yeah speaking of like wichita's sketchiness like and somehow some random dude just gets into the room in the yep. middle of the night and steals all their cash <laughs> yeah dude that you're right that that like for this for this motel scene i have like so like three like separate things yeah. like to keep track of everything that happens just totally. in that in that setting that is so consequential to the rest of the movie yes right it really yeah. does like that is the what sets everything in motion totally um well there's a big moment after this when they're having breakfast yeah um at the diner what what's the thing that happens the first time Con we continental trailway blues plays by that's steve earl that's the what's first up. uh the first time any of his music shows up in a movie and uh and it's a song i, I wasn't as familiar with honestly mm -hmm. like uh i when i listen to steve i typically listen to those um you know the core recorded output like we've right. talked I, I'm, I'm not really a live set guy you know it, as far as covers of his goes outside of the cover records like i don't really hear those too often right and the only the only record i'm aware of that this is on is that early tracks early tracks that yeah just, that i just got the other day um which I'm excited to listen to because it's not on streaming. So I'm going to actually listen to the vinyl whenever I get around to listening to it. Yeah. I'll only be able to I'll listen to it on vinyl, but yeah, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty good song. It's uh, I feel like it's a, it's um, I can hear how this is one of the songs that he was playing at just like picking parties. Totally. hundred percent. And like, I'm, I'm thinking too about, it's interesting too, that like there are, you know, two Steve songs get featured in this movie. Mm -hmm. Well, one is Continental Trailways Blues, which is an original. Yeah. And then the other song that we hear later, Six Days on the Road, has been covered by yeah. dozens of artists like over the years. And some people consider it to be like the first like trucker song, mm -hmm. um, you know, and so it's interesting, like, but Steve's, it, I'm even like thinking about a, a, you know, throwback to like, us discussing um you know guitar town the first record and this um the theme of like 
getting somewhere, keeping moving. Mm -hmm. I can't hang around here. I've got to keep going on. That's so prevalent in so many of Steve's songs in a way like made him so perfect for this movie. Absolutely perfect. Right? And right. the songs, you know, that they, well, the song they, he, they, or he chose for the record of his, and then him choosing to cover that song. Like, um, I watched an interview with him, which is actually how I found out that he was even on the soundtrack was watching an old interview with him uh, yeah. when I, after I had my knee surgery, uh, which made me even realize that the, um, the six days on the road cover existed. And I got kind of obsessed with that cover for a while mm -hmm. um, because of it, because he talked about it and how he was kind of like, not sure about do about recording a cover. Interesting. Because yeah. this is the first one he'd recorded. So right, he wasn't right. really exactly comfortable yet with, uh, you know, making that jump so early right to doing covers which is hilarious considering where he'll end up years right. later doing entire records full of records of covers yeah, yeah but yeah. um but yeah that was what totally hit me to him even being and i'd been listening to steve for three or four years like mm -hmm. like faithfully listening to him at that point when i realized that he was even on the soundtrack and because i hadn't watched the movie in years too so right. like I uh I wouldn't even have, you know, accidentally picked up on this if it wasn't for me watching that interview when I had my knee surgery. Totally, dude. That's so awesome. I've never seen that interview, but like what a like what a brilliant connection, both to I mean to like learning about this being the first soundtrack that Steve was on, but also like you said, like having known him for so many years now as someone who does tons of covers. Um, but like putting yourself in the mindset of where Steve was at as an artist in 1987 mm -hmm. right and like just still still only recently having like started to establish a following with yeah. his you know originals right so pretty incredible um so they got to keep moving gus's son is gonna pick him up gus's son is gonna pick him up and this is another one of my favorite lines that comes out when gus's son instructs his wife to help them load the trunk uh, into the truck um, and says like, you know, he's like, no, she's strong. First baby came out sideways. Didn't scream or nothing. Yeah. She's skinny. Yeah. <laughs> she's strong. That, uh, that actor, Gus's son, um, he's in a bunch of stuff later oh, yeah? on. My, uh, the, my favorite thing he does uh, or my favorite movie he's in is um, that movie trick or treat. It's a Halloween oh, movie. Yeah. I haven't seen that in forever, man. He's the principal, the, the principal serial killer. The one who, uh, the one who's going after, um, oh, uh, homegirl from, uh, fucking True Blood, dude, X Men yes. or whatever, yeah, the girl plays Rogue, yeah, um, he's the one who, what, what big eyes do you have, or whatever, with the with the fangs or whatever, oh my, but then God. he's also the, you know, the the dad of the little psycho kid and yeah, kills the fat kid on the 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 porch or whatever, yeah, that's dude, that's so my, true. it's like my favorite movie he's in, but he's in tons of stuff playing like sort of middling characters but he looks so different when he's a kid he looks so different because yeah i mean trick or, this was literally that's like 20 years apart yeah um, like when we were we were watching trick-or-treat and we're like always like we pause movies a dozen times to talk about them in the middle of it and then mm -hmm. um we'll check imdb on people why does that guy look familiar and yeah. i remember looking uh looking him up and scrolling back and being like the fuck he's in planes trains and automobiles it's like gus's son yeah and i'm like 
I had to like Google it and be like, Gus's son trains automobiles and look at him and be like, I guess I can see that that's the same person, but fuck, he looks different. Yeah, yeah. I love it. And then it's the other great lines. I would have never made that connection, man. That's awesome. Another line is when he's at, so they're asking him for a ride to the train station. And, you know, he's like, well, you know, people train don't stop there. It's like <laughs> something like less than use a hog or a cow. Or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you listen you're a hog or a steer hog or a steer that's right, um, that's right. i do i did i did have one of uh one of john candy's lines written down after after gus says the thing about his baby is the first baby coming out sideways he goes you're a real tripper you're a real tripper <laughs> and it's he delivers it with this like this earnestness right yeah, like that's like the so character to be funny, like dude. you know it's like neil is horrified and <laughs> dell is just like damn good for you girl <laughs> you know like it's incredible there's, uh, there's also two more things with the with the truck scene that i love um one of them is a callback to the first uh like the first beginning of the movie he forgets his gloves back in the boardroom yes when he's getting in the elevator he's like mm-hmm. oh can you bring them to me tomorrow yep. in chicago yeah, yeah he says you'll never make the, make the six yeah yeah he forgets his gloves so then he's sitting on the back of the truck and he's super cold and he's trying to reach for those gloves and that dog comes out that's right um and barks at him he's like give him the damn gloves <laughs> but uh <laughs> there's another part it's a it's obviously a dubbed in line like like later uh-huh. but when <laughs> when they're in the back of the truck neil says what do you think the temperature is <laughs> and Tal goes one one yeah 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 it's so good as like i love just showing it. it i love when you can tell a dubbed in line yeah and i love when it's awesome dude so good yeah like, fantastic oh my god so oh. they're getting to the they they get on the train well they get they goodbye at get, the train they're they always good buying at the train they're always good buying at the train because they think yo this is gonna be it mm-hmm you know what I mean? Dell keeps asking for his address yeah. to like repay him. And he's like, no, consider it a gift, you know, mm-hmm. like let's go. Cause Neil just wants to be separate from him. And then they get onto the train separately. Um, and of course the train doesn't make it very far nope. before it breaks down. Um, and not only does it break down, but it breaks down like in the middle of a field where everybody has to like walk across it super far including dell with his trunk yep. uh to get you know to where they're going to be able to like catch a bus or, or or just get on their way um which is there's something in there i made some i made some note that doesn't make any more sense anymore but like i wrote random scribblings of like breakdown of american infrastructure <laughs> and there's this like thing in my head <laughs> where i'm kind of like yo like let's let's build in another Steve connection, right? So it's like it's the late '80s, right? And mm-hmm. there's a lot of this attitude going around of like, ah oh, man, don't pay to be a good old boy anymore, yeah. or like shit ain't like it used to be, man. Like this fucking look at all this shit. The train's breaking down, like all this, like nobody's maintaining it. And it's so funny because obviously since then, this shit has only gotten worse and worse and worse yep. to the point where we have a ton of people today that legitimately look back at this time and we're like, man. Things were things were so good then. Things were so good then, right? Yeah. Um, which I think is just like so so funny. Um, and I, I don't think of all the of all the brilliant 
subtext that John Hughes put into this film. I don't think commentary on American transit infrastructure was part of it, but I couldn't yeah. help for my brain to go there a couple of times. Yeah, this should have been easier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially, and also I'm just given like the whole point of like, you know, what he like, of all the places that the plane that couldn't land in Chicago had to divert, how did it get all the way down to Wichita? Wichita yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, so yeah, this gets them back together. Um, you know, and they're riding the bus and there's some fucking hilarious shit happens while they're on the bus too. Yeah. I've got a couple making out on the bus and the songs on the bus, the songs, the, the, at one point Dell, encourages neil to look at the couple and then they catch him staring and give him the take a picture it'll last longer and then um, del says you got busted <laughs> like, you piece of shit it's something when he would not have been looking over there at all if it weren't for del being like hey man check it out like a creep it's amazing it's so good and then dude the songs and he tries to get he encourages neil to sing going on a song and it's so bad it's so bad and it just but also speaks too of like what like evidence of this divide right like all the working class people on the bus know all these songs and then neil tries to sing a song he knows and everybody's like what the fuck is this yeah let's get to flintstones yeah (laughs) and i do love that that was the next one you know and it's all dell bails him out by starting flintstones (laughs) yeah it's like so so good um again like just the the richness and like the 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 fucking hilarious stuff that's built into these little parts um and then coming up next is one of my favorite things so like Dell casually mentions while they're on the bus that the tickets they have are only going to get them to St. Louis yeah right they've still got to figure out how to get the rest of the way and so once they're in St. Louis um and they don't have any money left at that point either because it had gotten stolen. So Dell starts sharing, selling his shower curtain rings as jewelry. Hustling. Hustling. And I think this is such a fascinating scene because up until this point, Dell has, you know, been presented pretty much as he's just a buffoon. Yeah. Like he's a total like goober or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when he gets into sales mode and he's like to all these different kinds of people, he's like this person, he's oh, like, yes. this is a Daryl strawberry mm-hmm. autograph ring. Yep. These these teenagers, it's like these earrings make you look make like you look older, older, yeah. like nineteen. <laughs> yeah, but he's able to like make that money just like selling shower curtains in a bus station. He's that good yep. of a salesman, and that's when you get like like some of the insight into like yeah, there's like an actually really smart dude underneath mm-hmm. all this like buffoonish behavior, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, like it definitely does a really good job at like giving that that shine on his talent that he actually does have that thing yeah um one of the next the next scene when they're in the diner and they're 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 breaking up at the diner um one of is again one of the best lines in the movie when they're talking about uh going home Mm. and del says i haven't been home in years yep um a band an old band i was in um rattletooth when I joined the band, because I took somebody else's place in it, mm-hmm. um, our guitar player he wrote most of the lyrics and music and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first song that was a Rattletooth song that I was a part of, um, 
like I was the first one to sing this song that he wrote and it never yeah. got recorded. And I hate that it never got recorded. Mm-hmm. So it was my favorite rattle to song, but the chorus and that song, it was all about moving and feeling the need to be getting up and going all the time. Yeah. And I haven't been home in years was one of the lines in the song yeah. pulled right from planes, trains, automobiles. And, so um, man, my, uh, my buddy, Nate, he's, he's, Opposite my planes, trains, automobiles tattoo is a stepbrother's tattoo on my opposite leg uh, <laughs> that he did on one of his first like ten tattoos he did, and he's done a lot of the tattoos on on me um, since then. Um, man, I, I sometimes w- when I watch this movie and I see like because he's a bigger guy too, mm-hmm. um, so I see so much of John Candy in in him. Yeah, because I know he grew up with these movies too. Yeah. and being on the road with Nate and he's so funny and also just like just a really really quick like um like watching this movie definitely makes me miss those days in Rattletooth when like not only was I with this person who was like a brilliant songwriter and like really mm-hmm. good lyricist and really good at like tying in like different uh different um like lines from songs or lines from movies into songs and stuff and um and man, every t- every time that line hits, I'm like, "Fuck! I wish we had recorded that fucking song." Dude, <laughs> yo, I'm right there with you, man. That's like that's an incredible connection because it's like not just like this. This is a huge line in the movie, right? Yeah. That like we come back to later, but also, um, man, that's such a cool story, though. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, man, so many good connections here. And then speaking of the recurring actors that, uh. John Hughes likes to bring in over and over yep. again. The lady at the car rental place yep. <laughs> is brilliantly um, was the the secretary from Ferris Bueller's yep. Day Off, um, and deals with, uh, you know, Neil like at his most pissed. I think right once he's realized he he thinks he's home free, he gets a rental car. Yep, he goes to the lot. There's no car in the lot. The shuttle bus leaves him there. You're messing with the wrong guy. You're messing with the wrong guy. How much shit too is it that there's like, I mean, this is true of so many movies nowadays, right? But where I'm like, cell phones eliminate 90% of the storylines in any of this, right? (laughs) So it only makes sense in a world without that. Um, So he's got to like walk all the way back from the lot to the place and gets up front and like, again, is just a raging asshole, but also I thought rightfully so. Yeah. Like, interestingly enough, like I remember you mentioned this earlier when talking about like being a kid, but I remember being almost like shocked as it was like, they put in a lot of F bombs right there that they like, (laughs) you know, that I'm, I, I, at the time I, you know, I probably thought it was awesome. And now I'm looking at it and I'm like, clearly I don't give a fuck, but I'm also like, I don't know if that much was necessary, man. <laughs> but he just had well, him like go the, all the in. The thing with the F-bombs too is they're not that prevalent throughout the rest of the movie. Right. That's why it like sticks out because it's not yeah. like this language has been through the whole mm-hmm. thing. So it's like elevated at that point between him being so pissed off at the rental car lady. And then again, some of my favorite lines come out again when he's like out front arguing with the taxi guy. Yeah. Um, he says, if I wanted a joke... If I wanted a joke, I'd follow you into the John and watch you take a leak. <laughs> to which, you know, then the guy just knocks him knocks on his out. ass. Yeah, straight out. And then, of course, who arrives? Perfectly timed. 
right yeah. at that moment to save the day. Almost crushes his head. Almost crushes his head like a melon. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen a guy getting picked up by his testicles. Dude, that line is so fucking good. Amazing. So here they are, man. And again, even after trying to leave him, Neil has no choice because he ain't got no way to get home. Mm-hmm. And Dell got the rental car. And there's a lesson in there too where Dell's like, I don't know, you just just be nice to people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. And he got it. While Neil was, you know, pissed off being a dickhead. And so now, all right, they think they're gonna make it because hey, the drive from St. Louis to Chicago isn't really no, it's not all far that far. So uh here they are on the road in the rental car. And um part of this is where we hear six much days more, on the road. Yeah, six days on the mm-hmm. road with like up front, right? In this yeah. driving scene. Because the mm-hmm. previous scene in the diner, you can it's, hear it in yeah. the actual background. Yes. Right. But this one, it's like classic, like driving scene and what a perfect song uh, to go with that. So, I mean, tell me a little bit. So this was, you said earlier, Tyler, this was the first cover that Steve ever like recorded. Yes. That's amazing. Um, And dude, and I, I, dude, I'll say this is on every road trip playlist I, mm -hmm. I, I make anytime I'm, I'm making like a lot, like if I'm on if I'm on tour for more than a few days, this song's at least getting played once. Yeah, it's while perfect. I'm driving, it's such a good driving song. Absolutely, it is like even just the way it starts, man. Mm-hmm. It's like you get this feeling of like this is this is that feeling of when you like pull out or like actually onto the highway. Yep. You know what I mean? Once you get rolling, mm-hmm. um, this this song does not work in traffic. Oh, dude, I can only imagine. This song yeah. does not work if you have to stop at a light. Yeah, it's fascinating. This song doesn't work. No, I can only imagine. Dude, there's so many songs like that, actually, that, that even lyrically are about totally different things. I'm just thinking about, especially driving here in New York, like how many times my like buzz gets harshed when like traffic starts <laughs> out of nowhere. And I'm like, yeah, I better, I better put on NPR until I get <laughs> back onto the highway because this isn't going to work. Um, not going to be able to enjoy this music. Um, but again, like we said, I haven't, you know, there's this song has been covered and released by tons of different artists over the years. And actually, if you look it up, at least I had, you know, quick Googling, right? Like mm-hmm. not deep research. Uh-huh. The Sawyer Brown version that came out um, in the 2000s is like probably the most popular mm-hmm. Um which is just interesting because, you know, we've talked about like our relationships with country music and especially like what's popular at certain times. Sawyer Brown was nothing I knew other than a name. It's not. Yeah, really I've never, like I've never anything. heard him before. But I do know that for a minute they were like a pretty popular like on CMT kind of mm-hmm. act. You know what I mean? And so this they did a cover of the song that was very popular. And so it's a, probably a good bet that there are people out there that know the Sawyer Brown version of six days on the road that don't know the Steve Earl or the, or don't uh, even know if it's a cover. Yeah. Don't even know it's a cover or I'm even really not the first, uh, I think it's Dudley, the, the person mm-hmm. who wrote the song in 1963. Um, but yeah, this is like, they picked, you know, not just obviously because we fucking love Steve, but they picked the perfect song for that scene. Yeah. Especially because it's like, it's a lead in to where, like you said, that song doesn't work when you're stuck in traffic, right? So it's like while they're rolling and it seems like everything's going good, here's this. And then Dell starts fucking with the seat. 
Starts fucking with the seat. And that's like your first sign that like, okay. Th- th- yeah. We're not done yet. Right. There's a little, uh, we still got 30 minutes to go in this movie. Like yeah. this can't be it, you know? Um, and again, one of their arguments leading up to this has so many of like the, the funniest lines, the way that they insult each other mm-hmm. in this one. Cause it's also the first time Dell hits back like yeah. at, at Neil about how much Neil plays with his balls. Plays with your balls a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you, you handle more balls than Larry Bird. Fantastic. Or he says, it's, there's a line in here, you talked about repeating lines with your friends. There's one that I've done a few times, and it's actually reminded me of a gunroom tour many years ago. Um, we were talking about this movie and just people stinking on tour, and somebody was like, Brian, dude. Uh, yeah, when we stop tonight, man, you got to get a shower before you get into bed. And I go, gee, it must be nice to be so perfect and odor free. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Yeah, man. Like That's amazing. There's so many. You just got, you need people like on the wavelength with you here to like, yep. I mean, there's some, you know, this also falls into the category too of like, what did we do before memes? We just yelled lines from our favorite yes. movies at each other. Yeah, we constantly. just quoted movies all yeah, day long. Yeah, that's all we did. That and Chappelle's show, that's pretty much yep. all we all we did. Um, there's also, in this, um, um, symbolism with the case, I keep bringing this up, with the trunk, with, mm-hmm. uh, with, with Dell's trunk. As they're getting into it on the road at this point, um, Neil punches Dell and then trips over the case yeah you know or it trips over the trunk and so it's again mm-hmm. like this this kind of like thing like oh i've um it, it, like it is the trunk is a character in yeah. a way you're you know? jumping a little bit ahead right i now, am jumping though. ahead though for the yeah so like fucks with the power seat they fucks end up the switching seat. now dell's driving and neil puts his wallet in the glove compartment neil puts his wallet in the glove compartment you're right man you caught that one and so remind me here so they the car ends up going up in fucking the mess around my dude that's what's up yeah i had never not done this while driving and listening to this song yeah the whole thing even if i'm in the <laughs> car by myself you got to do I'm playing around. piano on the, on the <laughs> dash. I'm doing the horn. Yeah. I'm doing all of it. I'm going all in. I'm playing the sax. I'm doing the whole move. I'm so fucking obnoxious because and, of this movie. And this ends movie up going, has made me so obnoxious. Well, hopefully you've never ended up going the wrong way on the interstate 70 miles an hour because of it. The jacket thing, though. Yeah. Who has never been in that situation? Oh, totally. Where you're driving and you are determined not to pull off, right. to take your hoodie off, right, or to take your shirt off. Yeah, and so you're I just mean, like doing it one hand on the wheel, like yeah, yeah. Dude, we we used to in another mistake. We used to switch drivers sometimes to pee. Yeah. So just so you could keep moving. Yeah, we'd switch yeah. drivers mid mid highway. Yeah. We would get somebody would get in the in the loading zone. Yeah. And then they would grab the wheel and then the driver would jump out to the back bench and yep. then you'd pee and then you'd switch back. Mm-hmm. One time we switched and somebody was like, oh, shit, I was going to film that. 
So we switched back and then switched again. <laughs> like absolute moron shit. Yeah. But yeah, no, dude, watching him, him, the jacket thing just stresses me out so much. Cause I'm like, fuck, I know how many times I've almost wrecked. Yeah. Because I just am determined to not turn. I've endangered the lives of my bandmates <laughs> so many times because right. I'm either too stubborn to pull off and stop driving. Yeah. Cause I'm tired mm-hmm. or I'm too stubborn to pull off and safely disrobe. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But yeah, so that that part fucking kills me. It's so good. But yeah, he throws his cigarette and it does not goes into the backseat. Not clear. Yeah. And anyway, that's what leads to the car going up in fucking flames. Well, going the wrong way first. Going the wrong way first. Dude, right. That part is so fucking brilliant. Yeah. It's just but- all of the 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 comedic timing on all yeah. of it. Just um in man. People trying to warn them from the other lane. Yeah. Fucking anytime somebody tells me like you're doing, you're going the wrong way or something or like any, anytime any that has been said to me in my life, I always say, how do you know where I'm going? How do you know where I'm going? (laughs) (laughs) And then he starts teasing. I'm like, yeah, pretending to tip a beer back or whatever. They're drunk. (laughs) Joker wants to race me. It's so fucking so awesome, good. dude. Every line in that scene is fucking perfect. How do they it know is so amazing. <laughs> it's crazy. How do they know where we're going? <laughs> it's so dude. good. And then Steve Martin makes that realization and then starts gasping and hitting yeah. the bell. And then it's between the trucks, which is the second most insane scene in the movie that is just totally shark jumping. But yeah. it's fucking phenomenal yeah when they're just skeletons for a second i know incredible and then <laughs> neil looks over and john candy is the devil the devil and it's it's just so brilliant too because it's like so out of you know yeah like you said it's, it's just jumping Looney Tunes. none of this shit's been <laughs> happening at any other point but there's this moment because i think it also like it plays into not just like the uh, scariness of the scene, but like, you know, their absolute deliriousness. Like that's what I can relate to there. You know what I mean? Is it's like, I yes. looked over and he was like the devil laughing. <laughs> you know? <clears throat> so there's, an, there's an another mistake shirt. I wanted to make a series of these. And I, I only, we only made the first one. We never got around to making the second one. Um, but there's another mistake show that just says another mistake, and it's just John Candy is the devil. But there's no high quality of that photo. Right. So we had to screenshot it on a laptop. I was about to say that's the only place you could get it, I imagine. <laughs> it right? looks like shit, but it's fucking awesome. On honestly, it looking like shit probably makes it like even better. Yeah, dude, it's amazing. I'll I'll uh I think Ashton has 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 uh somebody's uh like somebody's old one um in I'd her in her that. shirt collection i'll uh i'll send it to you so we can post it on the instagram i was about to say that should be what we announced this episode with is that and my my uh planes trains automobiles tattoo and the tattoo fucking but uh but yeah the um i just just because i i mentioned it the second in that series of another mistake shirts was going to be have you ever seen harlem nights yes when <laughs> when arsenio alls try shooting up the building that eddie murphy's in and he's crying yes while, while shooting a machine gun and then every time he gets done shooting that one guy just holds up a little a little pea shooter and goes yeah. 
<laughs> but when he's crying, I wanted to do Arsenio all crying and shooting a machine. Have <laughs> see another mistake. Another no one mistake. would get it. No Dude. one would buy it. But I just wanted to make it so bad. It doesn't matter, man. If if you get a kick out of it, that's all that matters. We might do that oh, with shit. Constraint. I might make Constraint make the Arsenio Hall shooting machine gun crying. Dude, you totally fucking should. That's amazing. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, <sighs> they have such. It's, so it's like they get through that. They're Dude, outside. Oh, of, the fucking the the fingers stuck to the dashboard. Oh my god! The yes, wheel being bent just. Just so many, so many things. I've got the <laughs> when they're when they're checking out the car, Dell says they'll be able to buff this out. No, yeah, problem. no problem, no problem. And also at the time, what's great too is that you know he alluding back to what you said earlier. Neil is under the impression that this is Dell's rental Dell's car, car. Yes, that it was purchased with Dell's credit card. Yes. It was not. It was purchased with Neil's, which yep. had gotten swapped out, and Neil's wallet was in the car as it goes yep. up in flames. But um, God, dude, the way they look back at the car, yeah, they like one of them. Dell looks back, and then Neil looks back, and then they both look back. Yeah phenomenal it's so good also the way it's it's shot on their backs and you just see like yep you know the car's on fire it's so good it's so well done dude it really is and that was that's what makes all those other little funny moments like the dub and stuff like that like so just even more hilarious because again you know anything like that was an intentional choice because like they like Hughes had a vision for how all these shots should look, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's so brilliant. So yeah, they're they make it to another hotel. When they're driving, uh, yeah. another one of Dell's great lines is he says, you, you be careful, cheap shot me like that. That's how Houdini died. That's how Houdini died. Yes. Punch me in the stomach. <laughs> you got a lot died. of nerve punching in the stomach when it wasn't ready. <laughs> That's how Houdini died. Dude, that's such a good one. Holy shit. But yeah, dude, they roll up in a burned out car. It's in fucking amazing. A burned out car has just like basically some like pocket change left. All of the credit cards are like burnt to a crisp. So dude can't take them. But we see these the aren't credit cards. These are. Yeah. We see the reemergence of the watch. Yep. You know, because that is how um that's how Neil is going to convince this dude. Would you take $17 on this really nice and watch? And a really nice watch. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't work the same when Dell tries to do it with his Casio. $2 and a Casio. <laughs> the way he drapes it along yeah. his arm. Like a, yeah, it made me think it's like on a on the price is right when they would like show the, you got to show off Absolutely. the merchandise like that. Absolutely, dude. So good. So Fucking good. shit. So it's like, this is like another big serious scene that turns this into is probably the best scene in the movie yeah where like so neil goes to sleep in the room del Del's, talks to his wife and Del talks to his wife outside this is well marie once again you were right as rain mm-hmm. um while he's out freezing trying to sleep in the burnout car you know what i mean um eventually as we start to see emerging a little bit more as pissed off as he is, Neil's conscience gets the better of him. Yeah. And he like goes out and looks and is like, 
you're going to freeze to death out there. Like it invites him in. Um, and there's just so much there about this like bro scene they have. It's amazing. When they're back together. It's such a great, it's one of the great bonding scenes in in film, I feel like. One of the great bonding scenes. They're laughing about all the shit they've been through. They're They're destroying the mini bar. Destroying the mini bar. They're not going to have to pay for. Right. They're talking about (laughs) like, and then like, oh, do you want, let's go to Jamaica. Let's, you know, (laughs) buy like whatever different kind of alcohol we're drinking. And then um, there's a, they do like a, you know, a toast to their wives. Mm-hmm. And the line that Dell says is love is not a big enough word for how I feel about my wife. Yep. Um, which again, just like so fucking cutting. Yeah. Right. Um, and again, the way that they seamlessly though blend it in because they go from this like deep bonding together to there's a funny thing Neil says something like, you're one of the most unique people I've ever met. And Del goes, what is unique? Latin for asshole? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's so fucking good. Yeah. But yeah, I just think that's like, oh, that, that's it's like such a special moment. Again, like you said, like that the the way that they come around to like, bonding and laughing together in that room especially compared to the last motel scene it's just everything goes wrong right and then this motel scene is just like they're laughing it's so genuine Mm -hmm. like they're up too late they went through this just insanely hell night like yep and they're finally like coming together and like becoming friends yep 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 like they become friends in this scene absolutely absolutely um and I mean, so the, when they, when they show them the next day, getting the car going again, um, <laughs> well, one, I re- they sing blue moon over Kentucky together. Well, no, when they're leaving the motel, they back it into the room. And then Steve, it's just like, dude, my mom, that's my mom's favorite part of the movie. The way Steve Martin, like, he goes, like waves yeah. his hand really fast, like, oh. And yeah. also when he backs into the thing, Steve Martin just goes, oh. oh. <laughs> That's my mom's favorite part of the movie. Dude, it's so good. And then this, but that's another thing. It's like that connection they're sharing, right? Where it's just like, fuck, as different as we are, now we're in the exact same boat. Yeah. Just fuck it. Dude, go, 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 go. <laughs> like, we got to get out of here. Um, oh, man. I love them singing Blue Moon over Kentucky together. Yes, driving. That part's awesome. And then I love one of my favorite actors, uh, Michael McKeon. Dude. Is the cop that pulls them over. Dude, I, I have a uh, <laughs> cop pulls them over, old dude from Airheads. Yeah. <laughs> written down. <laughs> Milo. God. He's, he's fucking phenomenal, dude. dude. In everything. He really is. Everything. Um, what What is it he plays? Like, he plays the devil in something. I'm... Hmm. Or it might be he might be in Little Nicky. I can't remember. I can't remember. He plays like a really fucking funny ass like devil character in something. I can't think of what it is. But yeah, no, he's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, dude, I, it, oh, his whole line, every bit of, like. <laughs> do you have any idea how fast you're going? Um, funny enough. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, 
radio works just fine. What do you? Know? <laughs> How many is melted? <laughs> With no working gauges. Do you, yeah. do you do you honestly think this vehicle's fit for highway traffic? Oh yeah. You know what? Yes. Yes, yes I do. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> okay, I'll admit it. I broke the law, but oh my god. And then what? Remind me of like I've got a jump in my notes here. How do they get from there to the train station in Chicago? So they get uh, they the car gets impounded. They end right. up on the side of the road, and Dell works some magic, gets him a ride in the back of a meatpacking truck. Well, that's right. And he, he comes up at first <laughs> in the cab of the truck, yep. and is like, "This guy's real weird about people riding with him in the cab." So. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's yeah. so good so yeah that's how they get back to chicago um and then again like you you said it before like the saying goodbye scenes are always Goodbyes at the train the train yeah so they're standing at the l station like on the platform um and give like a really heartfelt goodbye to one another um and then neil gets on the train and it's like takes you through um it feels like a really interesting you know because they do i don't know it's not a flash it's not a it's it becomes a flashback later but at first he's just fantasizing about getting home for thanksgiving mm -hmm. right like he's thinking about his family yeah thinking about fucking turkey and apple pie he's like so ready to go mm -hmm. and then he starts thinking about all the shit that dell had said well, he starts thinking about the funny things that happened. Right. He's like laughing about the shit they've been through. And then he starts, and then a few things of that Dell said creep in the I haven't been home in years. Right. Yeah. And then the, I like me, my wife likes me. Right. And, and then it dawns on him, as much as he's been focused on, I gotta get home. Mm -hmm. He's like, Where where's Dell going? Where's Dell going? Because I got on the train and he didn't. Mm -hmm. So he doubles back. And goes back to the train station and finds Dell sitting there alone, right? Which like is legit one of the most like in a in any kind of movie, comedy, drama, otherwise, like such an intense emotional scene. I, I, I cry every time. Yeah. And he looks and the the look of like John Candy, I like looked, I watched it over a few times, as painful as it is, this look of like shame at first mm -hmm. when neil walks in and finds mm -hmm. him but then i mean i could be projecting this but when he says like i don't have a home marie's been dead for eight years like it feels like as much as he's still in pain there's some relief that comes with like i finally told him mm -hmm. like i finally told the truth yeah. and got that off of my chest you know what I mean? So I'm not, I'm not dealing with that alone. Mm -hmm. um, and then this is a thing that I, I cannot take credit for. Right. So again, you talk about, I said, I didn't do any research. Okay. I lied. <laughs> I did some things I, I was reading. So it flashes, you know, from that intense scene to walking up the street in the snow to Neil's house. And they are carrying the trunk side by side. And again, I cannot take the credit for this, but a brilliant person made the point that the trunk is symbolic 
of the baggage, the emotional baggage that Dell carries from Marie's death. And it's so symbolic because when they're walking to the house together, instead of Neil having to like struggle to carry the trunk on his own and having to drag it and do all these things to it's such a burden getting it around him and Neil carry it together. Like he's allowed Neil to like share that burden with him as they're walking towards the house. And it's also like Dell knows all these people all over. Like he's got, he knows the guy at the motel. He knows this guy, he he gets them the ride he know, he's 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 this guy but he never is like nobody knows what's going on with Dell. Yes. Yes. They know Dell. He's a shower curtain guy. Yeah, like he's a shower always, curtain ring guy. Yeah, he comes around every few months. I know Dell. Everybody yeah, knows Dell. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. like but like nobody really knows what's going on with him and right. I think like like I'm just realizing that like you you talking about that I'm like fuck like yeah, he really just he finally let someone in to know what's going on with him. Right, dude. Totally. For eight years, he's been carrying that burden alone mm-hmm. and like, you know, laughing, being gregarious, like yep. going around joking with everybody and carrying this burden like all on his own. Um, and they walk into the house together. And again, it's like such a beautiful thing when as like the family's all there and you know, Neil's greeting them and introducing when uh, when Neil's wife comes down the stairs, he says, I'd like you to meet a friend of mine. And it's just like so earnest and authentic, like uh, mm-hmm. like perfection as they close there. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and it's also like, you know, Neil comes home to this family, a changed man, too. Absolutely. Like he's not so uptight. He's open to being goofy and silly. Yeah. And he's. I get the feeling that Neil doesn't really have anybody who's his friend either. Right. He's got yeah. colleagues. His relationships are all very family. formal, right? Mm-hmm. Like you play a role. Here's the yes. role we play with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so true. Both. And this both, is a person who just wanted to know Neil. That's right. Just wanted to hang out with him. Yeah. Wanted like to I, be wanted to be on this this adventure with him. Yeah. Was wanted like, to be there. Was like so happy to see him. Yes. Even as he was like, oh, fuck this guy again. Mm-hmm. Like he was and felt like, shoved yeah. off when Neil shoved him off. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like I. um, Yeah, dude, it's just a really great movie for like just. Like, I feel like especially getting like like I'm getting older and I can feel myself getting further away from some of those. Those. um those bonds, those brotherhood moments that yeah, I had man. with the people I grew up with, you know, to, you know, the people that I'm even still in bands with, like we're not as close and tight as we, we once were. Yeah. And um, watching things like this, it makes me, you know, scared sometimes that I might fall into a point where like, I am just filling roles and, you know, I'm, I'm the bandmate, I'm the, the right. coworker, I'm mm. the boyfriend, like I'm all these different things. And like at a certain point, like I would like to feel that that bond right with somebody again, or at least like be reminded that we still have it. And I do yeah. see it sometimes. Like I'll go through something with a friend and I'll be like, Oh, we still we still have new stuff to do together. That's right. Like we yeah. we we still have new things to find out about each other. Like we're we're still growing together. 
we're still growing together. Yeah. There's still more that I want to learn about you. There's still mm -hmm. like a curiosity there. Yeah. Uh, it's such a good way to say it too. So like Neil is walking away, not only like open to that and valuing that in a way that he didn't before, but also with like the reminder of like, dude, you don't ever fucking know what's going on with somebody else. Mm -hmm. You know what exactly. I mean? And even if the way that they're acting right now is getting on your nerves, that's real. And that's what they're doing. But mm -hmm. like, you don't know the burden they're carrying invisibly. And that's some shit that like, I got to remind myself of all the time or like even, you know, to keep from, you know, I have a shitty interaction with somebody, whether it's at work or on the street or wherever. And even just for myself to keep me from like holding on to being anger to being angry about it, just remembering it's like, dude, they're probably having a pretty shitty day if they were acting like that. Yep. You know what I mean? And like, like I'm not, Hey, you know what? I hope he gets what he needs. You know what I mean? And just mm -hmm. kind of, even if I'm not with that person anymore, trying to make that peace because I'm just like, yeah, I, there are, there are people worth our scorn because they actively make the world a worse place for other people. But there's too much fighting that goes on between those of us all down here that are just trying to struggle to survive over some exactly, bullshit. Man. You know what I mean? So um, it's like a good reminder of that too. In addition to the like genuine, like, you know, curiosity. Um, and, and I love the way that you said that you've like, you've got the people in your lives that you genuinely care for, but like they play a role, but then how that, that number does feel like it's, quite small these days of the people that it's just like i could call this person and say an inside joke from 15 years ago and we would immediately be connecting on a level that i don't have with anybody that i've met since i became like an adult or whatever you know what Dude, i mean yeah um this is that that specific thing is um so cued into something that isn't out yet and if you're listening to this podcast because you're a fan of steve Viral or you just want to hear people talk about planes, trains, and automobiles. Like we're two punk rock metal guys. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I I'm in a I'm in a a, a hard a straight edge hardcore band um that has a record coming out. And one of the songs, the uh the first lyrics of the song are uh we reconnect at the points our lives intersect and we just laugh and laugh and laugh about all the great times we had. Dude. And it's a song about like the people who were you were bonded to you were brothers with that's right and then what it feels like when you just kind of lose that like you're Man. not you don't see each other all the time anymore but the the song starts off just addressing like yo but when we see each other we're right back in it we're right back in it it's like we hung out right? yesterday Dude. and it's and it's a song about like being hurt mm -hmm. by that loss of closeness right but at the same time fully acknowledging that like i still care about you in my life Absolutely. When I get it. Right. And I appreciate these moments, but at the same time, like it's about coping with that idea of like losing, you know, I guess just losing that youth, losing yeah. that, that, that time that you had to with each other because you're all have other things going on now. And yeah, um, it oftentimes it makes me wonder, like if I didn't have to work 50 something hours a week, like if I didn't have you know, all these different things that I feel like I'm obligated to, you know, to do to survive. Like, could I make more time for these people or would I just find something else to fill that time? Right. Like, 
because part of me wants to hope like, you know, like, oh, I can, you know, have it all. I can see everybody I care about all the time and and be a part of everybody's lives. But just some of that stuff, just it isn't forever. It's not. And um, <clears throat> and it's and it's OK to feel hurt. It's OK, okay. to feel hurt. And it's OK to like remember that, like. The fact that it isn't forever is what allows us to really value it. Mm-hmm. right i mean it's like on a different level you're reminding me now of um if we were vampires the jason isbel song oh, what which, a fucking great I mean, song that's another song that i can't make it through without like tears in my eyes especially but, singing it with his wife oh man, my god just, man but you know oh, ri- wow. written from the perspective yeah i'm like how does any human being have any business writing a song that fucking good you asshole? <laughs> you the know song what I mean? about their kid on that record too oh, is fucking god. insane too destroys me this, and then a few I records bet it earlier, destroys you. I can't imagine. Destroys me. Um, a few records earlier, Elephant, about the person mm-hmm. dying from cancer, kills me every time. Um, yeah. That, I mean, that's a whole other thing. And there, as you can imagine, the Steve Earle and Jason Isbell connections are very frequent. Um, yeah. Who knows awesome. where this podcast goes when we reach the end of Steve Earle's 20. Totally. Totally. On. It but could, like, could go Jason Isbell. We might be talking about yeah. him. Who knows? To that point, though, Tyler, because what you just shared, though, was brilliant and makes me so fucking stoked to hear that record that a great mutual friend of both of ours did some guest vocals on. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, uh, I'm i thinking just a lot about that remembrance of like, oh, yeah, the fact that I'm not going to fucking live forever is like motivation, right? Yep. Like, you know, I could I could be bummed and scared. Or I could go like, then God damn it, let me stop wasting time. And I'm not going to front. I don't live every single day like that, you yeah. know, but whenever I do remember, it gives me that spark. And it was that it's that it's the little shit. Like I'm fucking tired, man. I don't want to go to the show, Brian, go, you know yeah. what I mean? Or like, I don't blah, blah, blah. Or, ah, I really haven't talked to this person in a while, but I'm so, t-. you know, usually my excuse is I've worked too mm-hmm. much and I'm tired. And instead it's like, just send a text, man. Just like yeah. reach out, like make respond, make the time for it. And I've never regretted doing it. You know, mm-hmm. I've never regretted Absolutely, it. Dude. If you can just make yourself do it. And especially for someone like me, who is very much like an introvert, um, that, that helps. It's like that, just knowing that like, you're going to be really fucking sad if, and when the day comes that you don't have the opportunity to even connect with that person anymore. Right. Um, and as we get older, there are more people in our lives that that's become true. Like, so I try not to let anybody walk away from an interaction with me without knowing how much I appreciate them. That's what's up, man. That absolutely. So again, I just want to take it back as we wrap up today. Mm -hmm. This is a Steve Earl podcast, man. Yes, it is. Um, we had this connection to planes, trains and automobiles, which ends up being one of our favorite movies. It is, if you're just like, searching by genre or whatever it's a comedy Mm -hmm. and rightly so it's a fucking hilarious movie it's like one of the funniest movies of the 20th century in my opinion not a single bad scene in the movie not a single bad scene in the movie it's it's per it's like 91 minutes of perfection Mm -hmm. and and in addition to being fucking hilarious and a great watch um it hits home about loss about the nature of our relationships with other human beings about fucking 
the need to keep moving and trying to get to whatever this thing is that we define as home, whether that's a physical place or otherwise. And so I got to say, Tyler, like same way as like there, there's parts of Steve's music that I've loved for years, but that I'm appreciating in a brand new way after talking to you about mm -hmm. it. The same thing is true about this movie. And so I just want to say, man, I appreciate you again for like, the idea to do this in the first place and especially making the planes, trains and automobiles connection, because this has been in addition to being very enjoyable for me also like really fucking enriching at a time that I needed it. So thank you, man. Dude. Thank you. Thank you for being willing to go on this trip with me through, through an un uncertain territory or an un uh, untread territory for you at times, but yeah, then man. also like, like, because I mean, given brian is doing all the he's handling the recording he's handling the editing of this like i'm i'm just i had the the thought that we should do this and then i sit at home and i look at his records in order and then i try to figure out what was he doing between these records what 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 cool things can tie into these things and i'm having all these ideas about more fun stuff like this one that we can do outside of the mainline episodes where we just yep, yep. go through the record and just the fact that you're just game for absolutely like, man. the detours that I'm coming up with, like, like I'm the ideas guy to a certain extent. And then you're kind of running the show. <laughs> Dude. Well, I, that's a good way to explain it. But like they, they're co completely rely on one another. You could not have one without the other. No, for um, sure, man. I just, so I'm so glad we're doing this. I'm so glad we're doing this too, man. So, and thank you. If you have given even a few minutes of, the precious time you have in your life to listening to us geek out about all this stuff. Again, whether you fucking love planes, trains, and automobiles, and that's why you listen to this episode, or if you're just kind of like, what the fuck is this about? And now you're online looking up the movie. I want to say thanks for listening. And I hope you, um, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, so this has been hardcore troubadour and we look forward to talking to you about Steve Earl and all things tangent to Steve Earl. Uh, in the very near future. Yes, thank you guys so much. Peace.